Welcome, everybody. This is the Juice on the Cues podcast. Matt D'Agostino here alongside Wes Chang. Friday, December 15th, we're talking Syracuse football here. What could be a very promising and big upcoming weekend in the Fran Brown era, uh, Wes, as we have got some buzz around a quarterback that's making a visit. Not Tommy DeVito. We'll get to him in just a minute, the former <laughs> SG quarterback. But we've got a big visit coming up this weekend from a potential Syracuse quarterback. Yeah, and Matt, this made news all around and I think may have actually broken the internet in central New York, but Ohio State transfer Kyle McCord is visiting Syracuse this week and he's taking his official visit. A huge get for the Orange just to get him on campus, obviously leading Ohio State and the Buckeyes to an 11-1 record this season. 3,170 yards, 24 touchdowns to six interceptions. I think we would like some of that in Orange. The story of how he got here is a little interesting because he took an official visit to Nebraska over the weekend, as we all know, and then it all signs were pointing to him committing there. But during the week, there was news about, uh, you know, your neck of the woods, uh, Georgia commit five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola. He was supposed to, he's actually maybe flipping to Nebraska. So that kind of created that opening for Kyle McCord and Nebraska to go their separate ways. So uh, they did. And now Syracuse is able to get them on campus. Some of the other schools we need to watch out for are Auburn, Michigan, and Louisville. But these are definitely schools that you don't normally associate with Syracuse competing against, especially over quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, really big news out of Syracuse. Uh, congratulations to Adam Freeman from Rivals.com for breaking that story. Um, but just, you know, really incredible news to actually get him on campus. Now, so if you're an Ohio State fan this year, there were a lot of grumblings over McCord's performance. Again, 11-1, and one, you lose to Michigan. That's the one you want to win every year if you can. But take me through what is a quarterback that Ohio State was maybe less than thrilled with versus what Kyle McCord could do for a Syracuse program that's trying to get up to that upper echelon in college football again. Listen, Ohio State has very high standards, and and you know honestly, Syracuse doesn't have those standards right now. So uh, you know, Kyle McCord wasn't able to win the game. He wasn't able to beat Michigan, and I think not being able to get there and get to that national championship and deliver Ohio State, you know, the championship that they feel they deserve on a year in year out basis was one of the reasons why you know I think they, there was a falling out there. Now, if he comes to Syracuse, that gives instant credibility. Syracuse has had its own issues at the quarterback position over the last few years. But I think this really shows the impact of Fran Brown that he had right away, that he's able to get a guy like this on campus. And I think he would give instant credibility and an instant boost to the offense. You see Syracuse bringing in all these receivers, Jalen Hornsby, a four-star recruit, um, you know, uh, committing to Syracuse, uh, Emmanuel Ross, a four-star recruit flipping from Stanford over to Syracuse. They're adding these really big physical wide receivers, and they need a quarterback to throw to them. Garrett Schrader's running out of eligibility. As you see, the bench is not deep behind Garrett Schrader. You saw what happened in the Georgia Tech game. Syracuse couldn't even throw the ball downfield. You were there covering that game, Matt. So, you know, bringing a guy like Kyle McCord here, who we know can sling it down the field, you know, has great vision, is not going to, is going to take care of the ball. Again, 24 touchdowns and six interceptions. That would be a huge get for Syracuse for the 2023 season. And with, with Fran Brown coming in, and you mentioned the guys that are flipping, the guys that are now interested in Syracuse that weren't just a couple of weeks ago, perhaps. 
you know, Syracuse fans have got to be licking their chops saying like, this is a whole new ball game. And I, I don't know that you can go from A to Z without, you know, a couple of stops along the way, but Fran Brown and his staff seemingly have made Syracuse an attractive option. Whereas, you know, you know it as well as anybody, you're getting three-star guys most of the time. Maybe a four-star guy is interested every now and then, but when you're getting these guys who are now legitimate three-star guys, four-star upside, and even now you're talking McCord, a five-star quarterback, what has Fran Brown been able to do to the culture in just a few short weeks on the job? Yeah, and this kind of goes into our next topic, Matt, of I think, you know, the official visitor list for this weekend. And yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Every once in a while, Syracuse would add a four-star. I, I will note that there were zero four-stars in Dino Baper's last class in 2023, and there were zero four-stars when Fran Brown arrived on campus, uh, you know, only a week and a half ago. And in that time, Syracuse has added, uh, you know, three four-star caliber players. Now, Julian Hornsby is not a four-star caliber um, athlete right now. He was downgraded to three stars in the most recent Rivals rankings, but uh, you know, Willis, the the court, the running back, they were able to flip from Pitt. He's a four-star recruit, the number one commit uh, in New Jersey. And then uh, Emmanuel Ross, again, just recently upgraded to a four-star flipping from Stanford. So you see that culture change right away. There are 19 visitors officially visiting campus uh, this weekend at Syracuse. I want to take you through a couple other ones that were high major Rivals 250 kind of recruits. So we have Zine Haynes, again, your neck of the woods from Georgia, transfer wide receiver, four-star recruit in the 2023 cycle, the 219th overall recruit out of Lansdale, Pennsylvania. And this is something that uh, reading the tea leaves here, hearing our sources talk to us, this is likely a Syracuse commit, again, to pair with Emmanuel Ross and Jalen Hornsby. They're also bringing his teammate, Makai Muse, a punt return, kick return, and wide receiver um, you know, another guy that's going to give an added dimension to Syracuse and a lot more credibility to the staff. A couple of other guys I wanted to highlight, James Hurd Jr., a four-star linebacker, rivals 250 in the 2023 cycle. He's a Camden, New Jersey guy, appeared in three games in redshirt. West Virginia was really high on him heading into his redshirt freshman year. Syracuse is getting him on campus, and sources tell rivals that he's likely going to be a commit. Matt, two other guys I wanted to highlight for you, Fidel Diggs, He's going to officially visit Alabama uh, December 15. He'll be on Syracuse on the Syracuse campus on December 16. He played for Elijah Robinson at Texas A&M, and his brother Fatin is coming with him. So that's, again, two more guys that Syracuse is getting in that may, they definitely would not have gotten in in the prior cycle. They're getting him in because of Fran Brown. Uh, Fran Brown uh, cornering the market on Diggs college football prospective players at this point. So, um and I guess at this point, if you are a high school football recruit in the state of New Jersey, you should be expecting a call from Syracuse University at this point. The guys with all their Camden ties and New Jersey in general um, seem to be, you know, d diving deep into what they know best in that area of the country. And I'll tell you, it's not just Fran Brown, uh, a holdover from Dino Baper's previous staff, tight ends coach now, quarterbacks coach, Nunzio Campanelli. Got to love that name, right, Matt? Italian he recruited, one, good. <laughs> exactly. He recruited uh, with Fran Brown at, uh, at Rutgers when they were on that staff together, and they actually split New Jersey in half. Uh, you know, you have another guy coming back to Syracuse, uh, Khalil Ahmed, who's now uh, formerly the director of high school relations. He's now again, back at the Syracuse recruiting staff after spending a season at Penn state, he is deeply tied to New Jersey as well. So when you 
bring in a guy like that. You bring in a guy like an Elijah Robinson and a Nick Williams in from Colorado. Uh, these are guys that know how to recruit the East Coast. They know how to specifically recruit New Jersey. So, yes, if you are a top New Jersey commit and a top New Jersey recruit, expect to hear from Fran Brown in the very near future. At the very least, you know, it remains to be seen what this actually produces on the field. But at the very least, there is some excitement in the Syracuse football program that has not been there for, for quite some time. So it's exciting to see what Fran Brown has been able to stir up here in his first few weeks on the job. Uh, but when we come back, Wes, we're going to bring up another Paisan. It's uh, New Jersey, New York's favorite Italian man, Tommy Cutlets. And we're talking with Joe DeLeon of Believe Network on the other side of the break about Giants football. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cuse podcast here Friday, December 15th. Talking Syracuse football, and we're doing so with another host from the Believe Network. He does a lot of college football stuff, looks at the NFL draft as well, Joe DeLeon. Joe, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes here. We want to talk about all the rage in the Northeast when it comes to the NFL, but a former Syracuse product, Tommy DeVito. Take us back, first of all, before we even get into the absurdity that's going on with him and the Giants. What do you remember NFL people talking and saying about Tommy DeVito when he was entering the draft, if anything? Well, I, I remember even back further. Uh, so I'm also a New Jersey guy, a North Jersey guy, uh, very familiar with Don Bosco and his recruiting background. And I, I remember hearing so much about him. There, there's not really uh, a lot of big name quarterback recruits that necessarily come out of New Jersey lately. A lot of these guys come out of Texas. They come out of California. They come out of Georgia. But Tommy DeVito was such a big name. And to see him end up at Syracuse was really exciting. And there were these really high expectations. And it felt like he never really lived up to those expectations. And what those expectations just simply were is that he was a big, strong athlete, uh, you know, very good on the move, had a, a pretty strong arm for a high school recruit. And he could have maybe taken that next step at Syracuse, didn't necessarily do it, ends up going to Illinois. And a lot of the conversations with him as a draft prospect were very similar to that of talking about him as a recruit, just a really physically gifted player that maybe hasn't really put it all together. They could work his way into a backup or a tertiary role. Also being a Giants fan and paying attention to him, it felt like he was kind of this, this third role of a potential wildcat guy, a guy that you can bring on the field that you could uh, deliberately hand him the football or just have quarterback design runs. And, and they did do this in the first game that he was forced to play. They barely threw the ball. It's amazing to see this progression with him that he's already starting uh, to make NFL throws and not necessarily on a high level, but on a level enough where he can set up his team to win. But it's exciting nonetheless, a New Jersey guy being a New Jersey guy myself and seeing that he's contributing for the New York Giants is a really exciting story to follow. Now, he, he goes from that to with Brian Dable uh, against the Packers on Monday night, you know, saying on that last drive, rip that son of a gun. We'll, we'll call it. So he, he's come a long way in the game planning for sure. But, uh, you know, Tommy Cutlets is taking over the Northeast right now. Uh, it's an awesome story. But if you were to do a quick Google search, which I have this week, uh, certain so search results come up as, is Tommy DeVito a good quarterback? Literally, that's that's a question out there on Google. So, um, is he? Is he a good NFL quarterback at this stage? 
I think what he's at least proven that he can fit into the Gardner Minshew bucket of younger quarterbacks that are good enough to be a spot starter, but a really high quality backup quarterback. I think that the real takeaway from this, there's of course, those that are uh, obsessed with the fandom that want to say, Oh, uh, Tommy DeVito could be the quarterback of the future and he could challenge Daniel Jones. Realistically, that's not going to happen, but at the very least, they have figured out who is the backup quarterback for the future of this team. I, I really do believe that Tommy DeVito has done a lot of positive things to clear up any concerns of if they have that backup guy. And a lot of times NFL teams, if they build their rosters appropriately, they're going to try and find guys that have similar skill sets to the starter. And there's a lot of similarities physically that you can compare Daniel Jones to Tommy DeVito, similar frames, similar rushing ability, um, that if Daniel Jones, who has been injury prone in his career, if he does go down again next year, you can bring Tommy DeVito in again and he can fill in when necessary. So I think that he's good for a rookie and an eventual long-term backup in the NFL. But I think to, to paint him as a, you know, a potential long-term starter, at the very least, it's a little bit too soon to jump to that conclusion. So, Joe, if you're a Giants fan, uh, you see the team sitting at five and eight. But a couple weeks ago, you know, they were kind of angling for that, you know, number two pick. But now they're going on this three game win streak. They're probably the number eight pick right now. And that's assuming that, uh, you know, they, they just stay in the same position. They may keep winning. So as a Giants fan, do you want to see them continue to win these games? So this is where it's it's really frustrating being a Giants fan, and uh, I you know having previously covered the Giants, I was always really invested in uh, the Giants draft endeavors, and I was covering the Giants when they drafted Daniel Jones. I might not be the biggest. I actually I'll admit I'm not the biggest fan of Daniel Jones, and I think that the contract that was given to him was a little bit too soon with the, a lack of results that he brought to uh, his performances. He had one slightly above average year, and they're paying him all this money, and he's locked up for an extended period of time, it's going to set them up for potentially long-term failure. This was really a, a really difficult internal battle for me because like any Italian from North Jersey, uh, you think that it's an awesome story. He also trained at the uh, you know the same gym that, that I trained at, Tested Martinsville, uh, when I was coming out and I, I was not nearly as successful in, in trying to uh, reached the NFL, but I still did train for my pro day when I was leaving Rhode Island. It was a long snapper in college, but to know that he came from a lot of the same places as me, it was exciting to root for him and to see him do all this stuff. But at the same time, as a Giants fan, I do want them to start over. And this is a rare year for them to have a shot at uh, two supremely talented players. And it could be Caleb Williams or Drake May, depending on what the Chicago Bears do at that first overall pick. So to miss out on that yeah, it kind of does sting. It's fun to see what he's doing, but yes, it really, really does hurt that they can't get an eventual long-term franchise starter, one that I would feel a lot more confident in, especially if it were Drake May. I think that he could completely transform the direction of the future of this franchise. A lot of similarity, similarities could be made between what C.J. Stroud is doing early on and what Drake May could provide for the Giants in 2024. Uh, to give you an idea, Joe, when the Giants were two and eight, I had a full head of, ha head of hair. Uh, now that they're <laughs> five and eight, and I'm seeing them drop down the draft boards, uh, this this is what uh, this is what you end up with. Uh, real quick, I want to I want to ask you two more, but real quick, Caleb Williams, Drake May. It sounds like you may prefer May over the two out of the two. 
I prefer just from like a, in a vacuum scouting vacuum, Caleb Williams is number one for me. Number two is Drake may, but for the, the giants needs and knowing just like a personality fit, I think that Drake may would have been just such a great uh, fit for the New York giants. He's just, he's a bit more of a quiet guy. Uh, and I think that that is a little bit more suitable for uh, the New York market and the difficulties of trying to navigate that. A lot of similarities, me just like physically and also his leadership style and the way that he uh, is portrayed to me. He reminds me a ton of Justin Justin Herbert. And we saw the the early impact that Herbert had and the lack of ability to build around him, but still the early impact for the Chargers for Justin Herbert. I think that the Giants could have gotten that, but they're probably out of the billing for that. Um, my sources, and, and that would be the local book butcher down the street that I saw yesterday. He's an LSU fan said if the Giants are in the range of Jaden Daniels, uh, that would be a good spot for him. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where this leads. But give me one prediction before we let you go. 2024 New York Giants. Name me a quarterback that gets the most starts for the Giants next season. I, I think it's going to be Daniel Jones. I, I think that the minute that this team played themselves out of a top five pick, and I, I would love Jaden Daniels to maybe be that guy for the New York Giants, but I – I feel like them picking at eight might push them out of the conversation, even for Jane Daniels. Somebody might trade up for him so that they don't miss out on getting the third best guy in the class because there are question marks after Jane Daniels. I don't think there's a lot of faith in Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix for uh, some of these teams. So I think it's going to be Daniel Jones. And I think that as this franchise has done in the past, they have been really late to pull the plug on some guys that weren't working out. And it feels like they're probably going to do that with Daniel Jones. They're invested. They, they have a lot of money that's on the line for Daniel Jones. And it just makes sense for them to keep him around for one more year. And then once it's easier to get out of that contract, try to trade him or just simply, uh, you know, move on from him, wave him and draft whoever there is in the, uh, the 2025 NFL draft. Well, Tommy DeVito, certainly a fun story, whether the wins are there or not this season. Uh, and you know, if anything, when I watch Giants games now, I get hungry. Tommy Cutlets, uh, we got the nice spread, a pregame spread. It's probably not good for the waistline, but uh, Joe DeLeon, good for the juice on the Q's podcast. We appreciate you taking a couple of minutes. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, we'll, uh, Joe. Appreciate it. The break here, Wes and I will wrap things up. Welcome back here on the Juice and the Cues podcast. Matt D'Agostino, Wes Chang, Friday, December 15th. Just a couple of final thoughts to wrap things up on what could be an exciting recruiting weekend for the SU football team. And we'll see if the legend of Tommy DeVito continues in the NFL. But Wes, what you got here as we uh, close things out? You know, Matt, you and I have known each other a long time, 20 plus years. And during this period of time, I don't think I've been as excited about Syracuse football. You know, I had to really dig back in the archives for the last time. I was this excited to look at my phone in the morning and check what's going on in the Syracuse football world. And I think the last time was 2001, our freshman year of college, when Syracuse had that 10-win season, and it was Dwight Freeney and Rich Scanlon. And I, I remember this game in the Dome was right after 9-11 when Syracuse beat SEC foe Auburn. So this is a legitimate SEC team that Syracuse takes to task at the then Carrier Dome. And I don't think I've had that kind of excitement then. You know, there was that 10-win season in 2018, but... Really, you have to go back, you know, 20, 25 plus years, you know, going back to the Donovan McNabb era when there was this much excitement around Syracuse football. So I'm really looking forward to what Fran Brown can do moving forward. But what a great hire. Looking forward to the Fran Brown era. Syracuse football is back. How about you, yeah. Matt? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of speaks to what you're talking about in terms of how long it's been since Syracuse football, um, I don't want to say has been relevant, but it's certainly been an upper echelon program. But uh, looking to Tommy DeVito, I uh, saw something on the internet this week. Quarterbacks that went to Syracuse that have at least three wins in the NFL in their career. Tommy DeVito has won three in a row to start his NFL career. The list is him and Donovan McNabb. That is it, which is mind-boggling to think of. But uh, it's it's been that long since Syracuse has developed an NFL-caliber quarterback to have any sort of success in the league. You look at some of the names that have come through, too. Uh, Ryan Nassib, who had uh, a cup of coffee and was Eli Manning's primary backup. And you had Eric Dungy, who had a number of great years, uh, having to go back to Marvin Graves uh, before the Donovan McNabb era, Don McPherson. All these great names with not a lot of NFL success. So I, I personally love this story. I love Tommy Cutlets. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. Is he a backup? Is he a starter? I don't know. Let's just enjoy the ride. Yeah, uh, this has... Uh... Uh, visions of Linsanity around New York City these days uh, with Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. Uh, that'll do it for us. We appreciate you tuning in. For Wes Chang, I'm Matt D'Agostino. You've been listening to The Juice on the Cues podcast.